Turn your Bibles, please. I want to get right into this. Uh, Romans chapter 1. Today we are going to uh, conclude, hopefully conclude this chapter. I got a decent amount of time. Thank you, Lord. And we are going to pick up where we left off last in verse 18. Verse 18. And the theme of this particular section is... Depravity or the immorality of our human soul, the immorality of mankind. And to my surprise, uh, Dave Goodwin was sharing on this this morning at Sunday school. <clears throat> Must have been looking into my notes. <clears throat> but some of the things that he spoke about this morning, we're going to be talking about here this morning. Um, <clears throat> uh, because it is the theme of the rest from this verse, verse 18, all the way through Romans chapter 3, verse 20. The theme is depravity or the immorality of mankind. And so essentially what we're going to be talking about here this morning is that we're going to discover an indictment by God upon all of mankind because of our rebellion. Pray with me if you will, please. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for this time in your presence. Thank you so much for the opportunity you give us just like this. And Father, may I say, not just this church, but churches across the city of Norwalk, churches across the state of California, churches across this country, right now at this moment, perhaps, are enjoying a moment in your presence where we give you an opportunity to speak into our lives corporately. When we gather together just like this. Father, we need to hear from you. I certainly need to hear from you. And may you please, please, Lord God, just put a pinky, just put a pinky right in my throat. And clear my, clear my throat, Lord God. I thank you so much for the truth of your word, for the truth of scripture, and how you use it to transform our lives. Father, these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Do pray for my voice. I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> so the first principle, look at verse 18 with me. The first principle, if you're taking down any notes whatsoever, the first principle <clears throat> derived from verse 18 is, the wrath of God is applied toward all those who dismiss His truth. I'm going to repeat that. The wrath of God is applied toward all those who dismiss His truth. Verse 18 reads, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. It's amazing that Paul the Apostle actually acknowledges something like this, because uh, more often than not, especially in the society that you and I are part of today, we hear statements like, God is love. Yes, First John chapter 5. First, in fact, all of the first epistle of John, towards the end of your Bible, speaks of the fact that God is love. And we know that God is love. But there's a special verse found in the, the, the latter half of the book of Hebrews that says that God is also a consuming fire. 
God is, in fact, a consuming in fire. But just because God is love, it does not mean that He is not, at any given time, going to apply judgment on mankind. Just consider the nature of society today for a moment. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take long for anybody, turn me down, Habib, just a little bit. It doesn't take long for us to realize when we consider society and the condition that is in, that God is dealing with us. On the end, uh, we are on the receiving end of the wrath of God or God's judgment. Have you ever heard somebody make the statement that life or rather that the world is in the condition that is in because God is no longer present? The world is in the condition that is in because God is not on the job, because God has abandoned us, because God has forsaken us. Have you ever heard that before? Let me hear. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. And the reality is, it's not the reason why the world is in the condition that it's in. The world is in the condition that it's in because you and I live on it. And we are the reason why the world is in the condition that it's in. The theme of this passage is the depravity of the human soul. We are inherently, we talked about this this morning, we are inherently sinful we are inherently evil. It means, it's a reference to our condition apart from God. It's not a reality concerning our condition in Christ or disposition in Christ. Because things change. Everything changes when we are in Christ. Amen, somebody. Can I say amen to that? The grace of God is extraordinary. And there's nothing like the grace of God this side of heaven. Absolutely nothing. Nothing can be compared to it. God took a sinner like me, a sinner like you. And by His grace, when we applied our faith, our belief, our faith, an active faith, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He changes everything. And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks or maybe in a few months when we finally get to Romans chapter 5. That's a beautiful topic right there. And we mentioned it once before, quite a few times actually. The word is justification. Yes, we are inherently sinful. We are inherently evil. And as a result, the wrath of God is upon us. Is the reason why we have all of the particulars invading society that we do today. But thank God for His grace, right? Thank God for His grace because when we become recipients of the grace of God, it changes everything. So... <clears throat> Let me ask you this. This verse actually says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, doesn't it not? The question is, upon whom? We mentioned it inadvertently there a few moments ago. The wrath of God is revealed against everyone who dismisses truth because they rather enjoy the fruit of sin. Is it true that sin is pleasurable? I want to tell the truth. Hmm, Lois says, yes, it is. Don't I know it? I have my share of it. Isn't that what you're saying right now in your mind? We all have, right? Sin is indeed pleasurable. It is. But it's also damning to the human soul. When we live in it. So, Paul the Apostle is saying that those who have rejected the Word of God, those who have rejected truth, they are recipients of the wrath of God. And the question, the next question is, is this not condemnation? From the Lord? Is the wrath of God His condemnation? Of course it is. It's condemnation. We don't like to hear 
words like this. And we certainly don't like to enjoy uh, topics like this in church. But the wrath of God is God's judgment. It's God's condemnation upon a society. Why? Because of the deliberate, intentional dismissal or rejection of God's truth. That's what it says right there in verse 18. Read it again with me. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Suppress the truth. So it's not saying that God is judgmental upon a society today because we are uninformed or because we are, uh, have not been made aware of the judgment of God. As if we are not privy or informed of the fact that we are recipients of this wrath because we have intentionally or personally rejected the word of God. It's the reason why we are recipients of God's wrath. What, not us in the church, but society in general. Unrepentant sinner. John 3.18, if you're taking any notes. Amazingly, we, somebody mentioned this, I think it was you, Ron. You mentioned this this morning as well. I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm just going to have Dave Goodwin or Ron Muir teach to preach this morning. They're doing it already in the classroom. John 3.18 reads, whoever does not believe is condemned already. Whoever does not believe is condemned already. And let me submit to you, in the event that you're taking notes here this morning, the phrase, the clause, does not believe, is not a reference to atheism. It's a reference to rejection. There's a difference between the two. Verse 18, John 3.18 says, Whoever does not believe is condemned already. It's not a matter of being uninformed. It's a matter of having been informed and chosen to reject the Word of God. And we're going to get into that in a few moments. You're going to see that clearly. So this doctrine, this principle of God's wrath, which we don't like to entertain too often, clearly establishes the condition of man and God's response towards sin. Is God fair? Let me ask you. Look at me. Is God fair in judging mankind? Or is He unfair in judging us? By all means, He's absolutely fair. The Bible establishes that God is holy. Isn't He not? God is holy. And He will have no part of sin. But He always affords us. He always gives mankind the opportunity to know Him through His message. There's a wonderful passage that I refer to often, taken from the Proverbs. There's numerous passages just like this in the book of Proverbs. That says that wisdom, so it personifies God's voice, His, His truth. Wisdom cries out in the streets. Wisdom cries out in the marketplaces. At the entrance and exits of the city gates, wisdom cries out. What does that even mean? It means that God is always reaching out to mankind. There's never a time when God is not reaching for you and I. Reaching for our hearts. He does it now, this side of the cross. How many are saved here this morning? When was the last time you felt the wooing of the Holy Spirit, if we could put it that way? The voice, that still small voice on the inside of you, motivating you and encouraging you. You felt that this morning. You heard that this morning, did you not? Amen. It's the reason why you're here in church. It's because the Spirit of God drew you to the house of God. You're not here 
because of some religious notion. You're not here because of some cultural um, influence, some tradition. You're here because the Spirit of God drew you here this morning because you are indeed a child of God. But listen, the same holds true for those who do not know Jesus Christ personally. They're just not responding to God. But everybody has a conscience. Do we not? When you were in sin, were you not convicted of the things you were doing wrong? To some degree. Maybe not overtly to where, wow, I shouldn't be doing this. No, maybe not so. But I remember when I was in sin, there wasn't a day that went by when I did not realize that the things that I was allowing myself myself to get into were wrong in the eyes of God. Because my mom taught me that God does, in fact, live. That God is, in fact, real. And though we didn't go to church, I always knew that there was a God in heaven who was watching. Hebrews 12, 25. Write that down on your notes. Because this speaks to, the, to this, this point that we made here in John three eighteen That it's not about being uninformed. It's about rejection. God's wrath is upon those who have rejected Him. And it says, Hebrews twelve twenty five reads, See that you do not refuse Him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they've refused Him who warned them on earth... Much less will we escape if we reject Him who warns from heaven. God is warning all of mankind. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9, if you're taking down notes. It says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So there's an effort from heaven, even with regard to God's wrath, even in regards to God's judgment. What you're going to discover here in these verses, Romans chapter 1, is that God allows us to go through certain stages. Or rather, we take ourselves through certain stages of sin, from depravity to depravity. And even in the midst of that, God is reaching out to us and giving us an opportunity to get ourselves right with Him. Until ultimately there's a, there's a moment in time, we're going to talk about that, the word is debased mind or a reprobate mind. Look at verse 19 and 20. It says, So what can, what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Verse 20. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that they are without an excuse. This second principle here in this passage, if you're taking notes, is we are without excuse. We are without excuse. The overarching theme is the wrath of God because of the depravity of our sinful nature. That's the theme of the passage. But even throughout, God extends to us an opportunity. Listen to these. The first clause here of verse 19 says, For what can be known about God. So there are three things that stand out to me here. Number one, God has shown it to us. What can be known about God has been revealed to us. Secondly, it has in fact been perceived Look at that in that verse. It has been perceived by man. And thirdly, 
that we are, in fact, without excuse. The question is, how has God revealed himself through us? What is the context of these two verses that we just finished reading? What is it saying? It's saying that God has revealed himself to us and that we have, in fact, been made known. We've, we've recognized the truth of God. We've perceived it and we've chosen to reject it. Now, I'm talking about unrepentant sinner, of course. The context is, number one, that through the creation of the universe, God has revealed himself through mankind. When you consider, when you consider science... In its truest forms. I'm not talking about the pseudosciences. Because there are a lot of pseudosciences out there. That really are not science at all. True science. In its truest form. Actually confirms the truth of scripture. It actually validates the existence of God. Did you know that? True science proves the existence of God. Let me ask you. How many of you ever heard of laminin? We talked about that once before. And I'm not going to repeat that. Have you ever heard of laminin? Anybody? Let me see your hand. Because this is, this is our participation. And if you haven't heard of laminin, Google that when you leave here today. L-A-M-I-N-I-N. Laminin. It's a cohesive molecule in the human body. And without it, we would not have the physical structure or the density that we have in our physical form today. I would not be able to walk in this manner without laminin in the human body. It's the rebar of the human body. And when you look at laminin under a microscope, it's in the perfect shape of a cross. First John, first John chapter, chapter 1, verse 17, I believe it is, where it talks about that that he was before all things, speaking of Jesus Christ, he was before all things, and in him all things, all things are held together. In him all things consist. In him all things are held together. Just think of that. Science is on, pseudosciences that is, are unable to explain why it is an atom, a simple atom. Listen to me, a simple atom. There's nothing simple about the atom, right? It's extremely complex. But scientists do not understand why an atom can hold itself together the way that it does. Why, doesn't, why, why, why is it that the various elements of the atom do not explode in opposite directions? The reason is simple. Jesus holds everything together. He holds everything together. The wood on these benches, every molecule in our body... Even the air, the water, everything that exists, he holds together. When was the last time an evolutionist proved any of his theories? When was the last time an evolutionist... We're talking about science, right? Because it says that through science, it's, an, it's essentially what's being said in these two verses. Through nature itself, God has revealed himself to mankind. Notwithstanding the fact that God has spoken over the centuries through prophets, through seers, God has always communicated His Word through His men, through, his, through women of God. Has always. But here, for whatever reason, Paul has chosen to say in these two verses that through nature itself, God is communicating His, his Word, His wisdom. And that because of nature and how God reveals Himself through it, man is without excuse. The fact is, God's fingerprints on everything 
that we see with our naked eye. Take a look at this. What do you see here? It's a pine cone, right? This past, this past weekend, I was over in um, Oakland. They got pine cones like 10 times the size of this thing. And I went out there and I was so giddy like a little child. I'm running around like, wow, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. Never. I'm like, what? And listen, my ignorant self, I reached down to pick one up and guess what happens? I got pricked in my finger and I was bleeding out of my hand, my fingers. I'm like, what in the world just happened here? And I'm thinking it's an animal or something like that. I, I got stung by a wasp or something. And when I looked, they grow so long that they curl like that and they got these... These needle points on them. Somebody should have told me that. <laughs> this seems sinful enough. Simple enough, doesn't it? I said sinful enough. Lord Amber. It seems simple enough, but it's not. If you're a mathematic, uh, a person who appreciates math, there's, a, there's a, a mathematical code that actually makes this shape the way that it sends up like that makes this shape possible. Did you know that that mathematical code is also in all of life? It's in everything, including your body. Look it up. It's called the Fibonacci code. It's in everything. God has placed His fingerprint in all of life so that when we puff ourselves up, He is always there revealing Himself nevertheless. Look at verses 21 through 23. i got to accelerate here just a little bit. It says, For although they knew God, notice what it says, although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The third principle here in this text is rejection of truth always leads to a moral crisis. Rejection of truth always leads to a moral crisis. Crisis. And I notice, as I said to you a few moments back, notice how Paul refers to a series of stages of rebellion, if we could put it that way. The first verse reads, For although they knew God, who is they? Who are they talking about? Who's Paul talking about? Notice the language that he uses. He's referring to unrepentant sinner. And how about the other word? It says, For although they knew God, What's he talking about there? Well, I looked up that word. New. It's not saying that they were saved, but that God convicted their conscience regarding his existence before they chose to plunge further into rebellion. You got to look over this passage on your own when you get an opportunity. Because we have a series of rebellion, stages of rebellion that takes place here. And this is the second stage. So he's referring to an unrepentant person and how he goes from depravity to depravity to depravity. We get worse. But yet through every stage, except in my view, the last stage, God affords us the opportunity to come back to him. He 
is always crying. He's always declaring. Picture God standing right on the edge of heaven's balcony, of heaven's patio. And he's looking down. And He's always communicating. He's always reaching out to mankind. Because He loves us. Second Peter 3.9. We mentioned that earlier. Because God is not willing that any should perish. Verse 21 This is a result of mankind's rebellion. It says, They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They became futile in their thinking. Futile in their thinking. That caught my attention when I I read it the first time. And it's, it's like a field that only produces weeds. Like a field that only produces weeds. Listen to this quote by a professor at Auburn University. He says, so, since all knowledge is grounded in God, thinking becomes futile when God is denied. Unbelievers suppress what they know to be true and are therefore cursed with futile thinking and thus believe lies. Unbelieving thought Swings between rationalism and irrationalism, each constantly borrowing from the other. Imagine a futile mind allows me, if I were of that nature, would allow me to believe in all the lies that Satan was speaking to my, my, my heart, my mind. It's the reason why society is the way that it is, getting worse. And worse, as time passes, we grow worse. Mankind gets worse. And if you and I, as children of God, if we are not careful, if we are not careful, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul the Apostle goes into that language where he states that the natural mind does not understand the things of God. Because the things of God have to be spiritually discerned. Right? So when was the last time... You sought to understand something that God was trying to reveal to you. He wanted you to understand, to hear Him in a particular area of your life. And for whatever reason, you couldn't grasp. Or you sat down to read the Bible, and for some reason, the words were just going right over your head. Some of you are probably sitting here this morning. What in the world is He talking about this morning? There's a distinction between the natural mind and the spiritual mind. And as believers, if we are not praying, it's one thing to read the Word of God as often as you possibly can. You can memorize the Bible from cover to cover. I promise you, it'll serve you no good whatsoever. And I say that with authority. You can memorize the Bible from cover to cover. And it'll do you no good if you're not a praying person. No good if you're not a praying person. Because prayer allows us to develop the spiritual mind, a spiritual perspective through the, holy, the working of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. This wonderful unfolding or enhancing of faith within us. It's the spiritual mind that we need to have. Romans 8.14, Paul the Apostle, he, he says that those who are spiritually minded, those are the children of God. You see, so it doesn't matter how much word you've memorized, how acquainted you are, how many degrees in theology you possess... If you're not a praying person, then there's probably no personal intimacy with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we don't have to go down that road, right? Because we all know that it is possible to sit in church all of our lives and not experience salvation. 
Because in this society today, we've perfected religion. Right? We come here, we know when to stand up, when to sit down. When to raise a hand, when not to. When to give and when not to give. That's not Christianity. That's the element of religion in Christianity. Christianity is intimacy with God. And if we're not praying, then we're not fulfilling that intimacy with God. Oh, and I don't know about you, but I do not. I get up in the morning and please, babe, please. Please, babe, stop. Give me a break. And I don't want to be sucked in by the vacuum I know. <laughs> that my wife creates in the house. No, just kidding. She gets up and she puts on the music. And really, Ben? Really? It's too early for that. The point is that when I get up in the morning, I may, that's what she said, right? I don't appreciate your tone. The point is that when, when, when I get up in the morning, when we get up in the morning, because I know there are a lot of you here, if not all of you, when we get up in the morning, we ought to look to God for inspiration. Because if we're not careful, the natural mind begins to govern. And then there's no telling what the rest of the day is going to bring. How many know what I'm talking about? Ugh. How many of you can how know how many of you know what it's like to grieve the Holy Spirit? How many of you know? This weight, this burden, all oh, that that's awful, right? Sherry says, What is he talking about? Okay. A futile mind allows us to believe all of Satan's lies. Verse twenty three speaks of our turning to idols as a consequence. So when we've denied truth long enough, this stage is referring to a submission or a consecration to idols. And that's why the world is in the condition that it's in. Now in this passage, it's, it's quite talking about actual or literal, literal. Jose, God bless you, brother. I'm sorry to... You, are you alone? Are you alone? I, I put him on blast. Are you alone? Is Zoe here? Oh, man. Okay. Well, you, later on, can we get you to come up so we can pray for the family through you? Amen. He says, man, that guy, always calling me out. Always calling me out. Verse 24 and 25. It says, therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. This, first, this fourth principle is rebellion will always result in greater measures of depravity. Rebellion will always result in greater measures of depravity. Verse 24 says, God gave them up. He gave them up to what? To impurity. This is another stage of rebellion. God communicates and He communicates. And when we refuse to listen, things get worse for us because of His judgment, because of His wrath. And in this one particular section, wow, really these words are actually in there. It says, God gave them up. And of course, He gave them up to impurity. It says, they began, the quote is, they began dishonoring themselves. They began dishonoring their own bodies. What's he saying? Things like fornication, adultery, 
And the one word we don't use often, bestiality. Bestiality. And um, how many of you have been watching the news? How many know that a very prominent physicist in the University of Michigan this past week was charged with bestiality? Caught in the act, in the act of penetration with a dog. A prominent physicist. I guess he did it in the name of science, huh? Lord have mercy. So, when, when this happens, when this happens, because we know this, well, we may not necessarily know the statistics, but we hear about all the venereal diseases, right? All the STDs, right? We, our nurses know uh, one day we're going to have them stand up here, right? Just, just imagine, the list is endless in terms of what we can contract when we, when we are unfaithful in that way. Unfaithful to God, that is. Whether we're married or not. Fornication, if you're not married. That word also applies to a host of other things. But adultery, if you are married. And how that applies. Infidelity. Yes, I know Jesus today. I cheat on my wife tomorrow. And the following day, so to speak, I can die of AIDS. All the while having confessed my sin to God and receiving forgiveness. Right? But still end up reaping the consequence. STDs. It's not a good thing. I mean, we got some stuff out there in the market today that is scary. Things are scary. 27. No, no not yet. Not yet. Because I want to share something here. <clears throat> Concerning rebellion and this particular stage. Genesis 6-2. Write that verse down if you can. Because verse 25 in this text says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And isn't it true that rebellion always promises fulfillment, but it never delivers? Isn't that true? Rebellion always promises fulfillment. It's the reason why I chose not to give my heart to Jesus until my life was broken in the prison cell. It's the reason why you chose not to give yourself to Jesus Christ until a calamity entered your life. Somehow, some way, at some point, God drives in that final point. You're gonna, you, I, I need your undivided attention right here and right now because I am real and you're not going to proceed any longer until you acknowledge my existence. And oftentimes mankind does not. Okay, okay, I get it. You're real and we still walk away from God. It's the reason why we have about 7.5 billion people that do not know Jesus Christ on this planet. And so this is a, a very, very sticky situation uh, because God responds. Right? He's always responding to mankind's sin. And in Genesis 6-2, it reads, My spirit will not always strive with man. In other words, because of rebellion, because of rebellion in the life of an unrepentant sinner, it is my view that there comes a time when a person is just utterly lost. We're going to get into that now. Look at 26 and 27. Did I just read that? No, I didn't, right? Okay. For this reason, God gave them up. This is another stage from depravity to depravity. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. 27. 
And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. It says in verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. I think it's quite obvious that God is displeased with sin. Isn't he not? I think it's quite obvious that to God, sin is detestable. And as a consequence, mankind is punished further. Have you ever heard of someone struggling with homosexuality say that he was born that way? Or that God created him that way? Have you ever heard that? All the time. It's prevalent now. There was a time when the person practicing that sin would not acknowledge it in those words. But nowadays, we got a different breed of homosexuality. We have a different breed of lesbianism in society today. I mean, there's a bonus. I think California is the epicenter. I mean, there's some crazy stuff happening out there. There's churches even defending this cause. Churches rallying behind this cause. Makes me want to cry. It's crazy. But it's happening there's a church in New York City, I won't say any names. It's a mega church in New York City. It welcomes all homosexuals and encourages them to stay as they are. All churches ought to welcome homosexuals, right? But we ought not to encourage them to stay as they are. Sin is sin, right? But this church welcomes them and encourages them to stay as they are. Both of these verses, 26 and 27, they both refer to God giving, that these people, unrepentant sinners, gave up natural relations. This is a reference to a free exercise of will, of their will. A free exercise of their will. It is not normal for a woman to be with another woman. It is not normal for a man to be with another man. And this text, this text makes it clear that homosexuality and lesbianism are both rooted in sin. But I think this church already knew that. Verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God. This is another stage from bad to worse. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Extraordinary. It says, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up. This is past tense. God made an opportunity for them to hear the word of God in the previous stages of their rebellion. God is always making an opportunity for us to come to him. Always, always. There's no such thing. I don't believe it. There's no such thing as a person parting from this life and not having received the gospel in one form or another. There's no such thing. None. Maybe not necessarily overtly hearing the gospel as you are hearing it here this morning. But the first verses that we read in this passage indicate that God communicates his message through nature itself. I never heard the gospel growing up. 
My mom mentioned God from time to time, but I never heard the gospel. And yet there was, a, there was never a day when I wasn't convicted of the sin. Why? Because everything around me convinced me of the existence of God. Everything. God communicates through all of life. He has a way of doing it. It's one of the means of revelation from God. This verse says, God gave them up to a debased or a reprobate mind. What in the world does that mean? As I said to you before, I believe it refers to a person who has been rejected by God and is therefore beyond hope of salvation. I know that may not fit too well with some of us here this morning, but that's just simply what I believe. Verse 32, look at verse 32, and it gives us a glimpse as to why I say it. Verse 32, it says, Though they knew God's, though they knew God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. It's a hell-bent spirit or soul. A hell-bent life. A person has determined for himself or herself that they will live life on their terms and their terms only. And it's the reason why I cited Genesis 6 too. And I know that your, verse, your version, the version of your Bible may read differently from mine. But mine reads, my spirit will not always strive with man. God is not always going to put up with us. Verse 29, and 30, 29 through 31, and I'm done. I got five minutes. 29 through 31. It says, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Wow, that's a condition. Evil, covetousness, malice, these are particular sins. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Kind of describes this generation, doesn't it? Describes this generation. And yet the fact is, this text was written a long time ago. Solomon in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes says that there's nothing new under the sun. What is, has been, and always shall be. There's nothing new. The point is that society has always been the way that it is because we have a depraved sinful nature. Because we are inherently evil. And we have this natural inclination to walk away from God. Now that applies to us as Christians. To the unrepentant sinner, they have a natural inclination to live as they currently are living. But for you and I, we have to be careful because there's a part of you that hasn't been sanctified yet, right? There's a part of you that doesn't know Jesus yet. I say those words loosely. But there's a part of me that I have to corral every single day. I have to pull my own coattail, so to speak. I have to draw my own attention. I have to rebuke myself from time to time. I don't, I don't appreciate your tone. You, 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 don't, you don't have to acknowledge anything there. 
Boatayim. She says, ha ha. Huh? What comes around goes around. That's what she's saying. <laughs> but listen, it's true, isn't it? There's an inclination. There's nobody around. Right? This morning, what was the example you used? Huh? We're going through the supermarket, huh? We pluck a grape. And we keep on going, right? Isn't that, that, isn't that not wrong? But I just wanted to make sure that it was right before I buy it. It's still wrong. I'm addressing the sinful nature. I thank God for grace, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. But the grape wasn't yours to take. You didn't pay for the grape. <laughs> I went to the supermarket two days ago. Two days ago, three days ago. And um, I, every time, without fail, when you walk in Gonzales and Northgate, you walk, it's like they put the, the produce right there. Like, really? I'm a produce guy, and I love vegetables. And I walk by there, and I touched it. I didn't take it, but I touched it. <laughs> and everything inside of me flared up. That's not yours. You didn't pay for that. And I let it go. But I touched it, Lord. Can I just have it now? And I didn't, I didn't take it. <laughs> okay, well, in, 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 listen, I repented then, right? I repented. I, I repented before, before I took it. So listen, let's, let's close this up. These verses 29 through, 30, 29 through 31 give us a clear description of society today. And there's a vast list of sins. They're there. Consider them carefully. Consider them wisely. We are not exempt. We are not exempt just because we know Jesus. We possess a nature that if we not check, if we don't check it, it'll run rampant. It'll run right out of control. And we end up doing things that are not pleasing to God. Unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. Gossip, slanders, ooh, slanders. When we talk bad about each other, when we talk about each other behind each other's back, Brenda, we have, can we get the worship team? Do you have a song? Yes, can you come up? Can you guys come up? It says, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Lord, have mercy. We do not have a license to sin, right? Just because God is so good, just because He's been so good to us, it doesn't mean we can do what we want to do, when we want to do it, with whom we want to do it, right? There's a limit, right, God's people? Let us make sure that today, while it is called today, this is a topic of Paul the Apostle in the book of Ephesians. Let us be children of light. Let us be children of light. Because God wants to make a difference in our individual lives. God wants to make a difference in our corporate lives here in this church. But ultimately, and more importantly, God wants to use us to make a difference in the lives of people who do not know Him personally. There are a lot of people out there that do not know Jesus Christ. 
And we don't have to go scurrying around looking for somebody necessarily because we have unrepentant sinners in our own families. Right? In our own families. Look no further than your own home. That's your number one ministry. Try to make a difference under your own roof. Your children who are not necessarily lined up with serving the Lord, be an encourager today. They need to see good example from you today. They need to hear something. Because God has always given us an opportunity to hear His voice so that we can line up with His standard. Always. He's always grateful. Did you take note of the stages of rebellion? How we go from bad to worse, from worse to even worse? That's what happens. And through every stage in that text, God was extending an opportunity to the masses to recognize and to acknowledge Him. But in the end, God ultimately turns people over to what I believe to be a reprobate mind, a hopeless situation. Stand with me. Let us worship together this one song. Then I'll come back up before you to pray us out. We're going to ask the Lord this morning, um, as we sing this song, let this song be a prayer for for my life and for your life. Asking the Lord to give us clean hands. Let's bow before His presence and make this song a prayer. Oh
Understand as a church, and if you don't know, Zoe is. Can you tell us? Can you tell us? Can you give us an, them cordless? Because everybody here in this church loves Zoe. And I'm um, testing, testing, testing. Oh Lord, have mercy. In technology, testing, 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 testing. Amen. Gloria a Dios. Just tell us. What's going on with her? So uh, how we can pray? So we know how we can pray. Uh, well, Zoe's um, she's been uh, sick. I guess she uh, she has like a hernia, and uh, ultimately it's just been getting uh, worse and worse to the point where she can't even uh, it hurts her to, to walk. And then uh, yeah, and then the heart problem too. So she just you know. Mm. Much, uh, so there wasn't anything else because a prayer petition. That's the two things. Well, her children are sick. Okay. Ah, that's it. That was the other thing. Yeah, the kids, yeah. Your boys are sick, right? Yeah, yeah, and the boys too. They came down with a fever the other day. So okay, so we're go- we're going to pray. Okay, so we're going to just right there. Yes, come on, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for Jose and the fact that he chose to come to church this morning. I know there must have been a great sacrifice, but we appreciate it as a, as a family. And um, we say to him in your presence, Lord, that we love him. It, we feel he belongs to us, that he belongs to this place, that he's a part of our family. And so we pray that you minister to his heart. I know that he sat in the entire, uh, at least with regard to the message. So I know he has received your word, Lord God. And we pray for that revolution that takes place on the inside of us when we get a hold of your word. May you use your voice, your words, to transform his life, his, his whole perspective, and just everything about him. And may you raise him up, Father God, to be the man of God that you desire him to be in his home. We pray for Zoe and the children. Father, you know the situation, the heart condition. Not sure about the specifics. But the hernia, her difficulty in walking, and the fact that the the boys, probably all the kids, are now sick. Father, reach into that home. Reach into that situation. Please make a difference, Lord God. Just a finger. Just All we need is just a finger. Just say the word, Lord God. And they shall be made whole. And we thank you so much for it, Father God. And we await for the testimony, for the report. Lord God, the good news that you have made the difference in their lives. We appreciate you today, Lord God. We pray that you bless the entire family in the powerful and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Amen.
Please help our campers. Everything is ready. It's outside. So if you have the opportunity, please meet the kids and support our Cedarbrook campers. Thank you. Let's just pray to go out. Father, thank you so much for uh, this time in your presence. Thank you so much for worship today. Thank you so much for waking us up and bringing us into this wonderful, wonderful place of refuge. And thank you for your words of life, your words of encouragement. Help us to take this seriously, Lord God, to understand the, the, the nature that we all possess. I'm thankful for grace, Lord God, and for the fact that, that I've been declared righteous and that wrath of yours is no longer, no longer coming down upon me or upon your people here. That we are exempt from that. I'm thankful for that, Lord God. But help us to understand it nonetheless because it would allow us to truly appreciate what you did for us at the cross so long ago. And the difference that we should strive to make in the lives of people who do not know you personally. We pray your blessings on your people here today. In the wonderful name of Jesus and God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. See you next week.